Welcome to another episode of the New Life Podcast. Thanks for listening in. For more info on service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Ron closes our series Love Chapters, covering Ephesians 5 with a powerful message on the fundamentals of a better marriage. This morning will be the last time you will see the purple and gold colors. And uh, we're closing out our series on the love chapter. And you see, these colors are really four square colors. They're part of the four square colors. You know that? Purple and gold? There's four colors of four square. The gold and purple, the gold symbolizes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of fire. And then purple is the soon coming king, the crown, royalty. Okay, so in a way, we are using purple and gold as four square colors, right? So my, my, my message for you today would be about marriage. It's found on Ephesians chapter 5, 22-33. And uh, let me ask you before I... To give out my message. How many of you here, uh, I know not everybody's married, we have some young people here, but at least I'd like to find out how many here have been married 10 years or less? Would you raise your hand? Wow, there's quite a bit. Okay, you can put down your hand. Now how about 20 years, between 10 and 20 years? How many? Raise your hand. Wow, there's still a lot. Okay, let's go to the next level. Between 20 to 30 years. Raise your hand. Getting fewer, but I can see some hands still. Wow, how about between 40 to 50? Anybody? Wow, I got one. Is that right? 40 to 50? I guess 30 to 40. How about that? There's a few. And I found one at least uh, 40 to 50 years. Is that right? Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of those years would you consider it to be a happy marriage? I've had some couples would come and say, you know what? I've been married for 40 years, but three years were the happy marriage. <laughs> Only three years. I must admit, though, that I, as I approach our topic, this morning, I approach you with a sense of hesitancy when I was assigned this uh, scripture. And by no means because I know it is not because it is not a relevant subject. As a matter of fact, it is so relevant. I feel strongly that it is one that the church needs to be addressing. From the very beginning, our enemy has been attacking the family up to this point. He's attacking marriages. You know, my fear, if you would call that this morning, is more general because I know for a fact that not all people here are married. That's one reason. Some probably have never known the experience of being a husband and a wife. And others still grieve over the loss of a wife or a husband after many years of marriage. And, and the other reason is it's harder yet is the pain I know that people feel for divorced people in, in our church family. There's a lot of divorce. We are not exempted from that. 
people who have been who have discovered at least that the grace of God does extend to them as well though and yet you know the urgency of this message overrides all my fear or hesitancy about giving you this message it just doesn't affect couples in the marriage it affects our family it affects our children who are in the camp right now it affects all of us and this morning as i said we're closing our love series and and we are going to talk a little bit about marriage the blending of two lives into one relationship is hard work it's very complicated at times it's overwhelming it's also humbling it's enlightening and one of the most effective ways for us to grow up and most of us entered our marriage enter marriage with stars in our eyes and I believe that our spouse would meet our needs fulfill our dreams and satisfy our expectations we spent months preparing for our wedding and just a handful of hours if we had some premarital, premarital counseling preparing for our marriage in our ceremony we uttered words or vows that promised we'd love each other for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health having no understanding of what that might look like in practice Reality set in as soon as you discovered this person that you committed. Don't put the toilet seat down. Leaves toothpaste stain on the bathroom sink. Leaves the clothes on the dryer for days. And doesn't replace the toilet paper when it runs out. And not only that, but they think they process life they, they deal with conflict, manage money, desire sex, solve problems, handle stress, and make decisions differently than you do. What we've come to understand is that a real message Let me see this. I guess, can you turn it to the next slide for me, please? A real marriage isn't perfect. A real marriage is two people being perfected. If we let him, God uses marriage to refine us in ways we never could imagine. You know marriage can be a fun topic to preach on, but it's always, it's, it's almost always a tough topic to preach on. So this morning, we're going to keep it simple. How's that? You like simple? As a matter of fact, you will probably hear nothing new. My hope is that you will put in remembrance of a few things that will help you make your marriages better. How many here would like their marriage to be better? Only a few? Okay. <laughs> I wonder why. All of us who are married desire to have a great marriage. We want to find happiness and fulfillment in the marriage bond. None of us married to divorce, right? 
We don't plan to get married so that we can get divorced. Now let me ask you, what, which type of marriage do we have right now? Is it the ideal marriage? Is it an ordeal right now? Or do you, fall, do you want a refund and looking for a new deal? So as you can see, we definitely need to return to the basic principles of marriage. This morning, we'll talk about something basic and fundamental, okay? In school, we have a phrase that describes the three basic areas of learning. Does anyone of you remember that? The three R's, we call them the three R's. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> Not spellings, it's only one starts with an R, right? Well, this morning, we'll talk about the fundamentals of having better marriages. Before I begin, let me offer to you, let me offer up this disclaimer first. You know what a disclaimer is? Like what they put on the cigarettes? This list is basic and not comprehensive. There are many things we should do and can do to help our marriages. Again, these are basics. Number two, my preaching this message this morning does not mean that I practice these points perfectly. Number three, my preaching this message does not mean that I am great or even a perfect husband. And number four, these principles are true regardless of your situation. So what are they? First, let's see what God has to say about this in the Bible. Okay? Would you read this with me? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of, this body, of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. See, one of the clearest pictures of marriage is found in Ephesians 5, 21, 33. And it works for every married person, even for those who are coming out of a dysfunctional past. It tells us about the role of a husband and a wife and how they should relate to each other and what the higher meaning of their union actually signifies. Still, 
This passage starts with a very unexpected statement. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is really important to keep in mind is that God's instructions will not appear, appear fair at first glance until we realize the example He set for us and how the roles of husband and wife are both reflections of His extravagant love. First and foremost, each partner needs to understand that God is in charge of your marriage. And it should reflect His nature, His love, His concern, His radical sacrifice. It requires a selfless relationship because God is selfless. Marriage is not about fulfilling your own wants and needs. It's about fulfilling someone else's. If you enter into it thinking it's about you and getting your needs met, you're rejecting the design. We honor God and His design for marriage when we allow ourselves to be used by Him to love our spouse. This requires mutual submission to God and to each other. And yes, it is hard. Second, marriage won't work unless you learn how to love your mate, not as you define love, but as God defines it. And as your mate is designed to receive it. The sacrificial love, evidence in Ephesians 5, shapes our foundation for agape love. Agape love is choosing to give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least, the least at great personal cost. And third, this passage assures us that marriage has an even bigger purpose than our own happiness. Our joy, pleasure, and fulfillment are important to God, but they are only lasting with a larger context according to this passage. Marriage is... I'm having a problem. Marriage is a picture of an eternal relationship between Christ and the church. That is the blueprint behind the blueprint of marriage and family. God designed family to be a stable environment for offspring, our children, and a fundamental unit of society. But it flows out of eternal relationship designed for Christ and His bride, the church. Ephesians 5, 24 says, Submit. Submit is a difficult word to hear. It evokes images of failure and impotence, the exact opposite of how most of us would like to live. We think that submitting to someone means becoming vulnerable, giving up our rights, and surrendering our power. Yet for all of its negative connotations, submission is a word every Christian should know well. To be a Christian is to submit your life to Christ, His authority, and His will, even when it is difficult. 
For thousands of years, Christians have faced emotional, economic, and even physical consequences for their submission. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Yes, Christian submission might be difficult at times, but we can take comfort in knowing that God is good and loving. Even if we cannot fully understand His plan, we can trust that in the words of Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good of those who love Him. And you know, Paul wrote those words while he was sitting or in jail waiting for his day in court. That was not an easy moment, an easy time in his life. But what about wives submitting to their husbands? As Ephesians 5.22 commands. We know that many men have used this verse to demand a submission motivated by selfishness, pride, and an ungodly desire for control. Their actions had very little to do with promoting the good of their wives and everything to do with promoting their own agendas. This, this sinful history has caused many women to resist the idea of submission in marriage altogether. But the scripture doesn't say wives should submit only when their husbands happen to do everything right or when there is perfect agreement. Submission implies a conflict of wills. In marriage, it requires wives to choose to follow their husband's lead, even if they feel they know better. It can be tough to accept the leadership of another, even if that person has a close walk with the Lord. But in the end, when a wife chooses to accept her husband's leadership, she isn't submitting to her husband as much as she's submitting to God. Now, this is God's perfect or plan for better marriages, and it works, okay? We just read the scripture. So we're going to highlight what was said in there on the scripture. First, he said, respect. Respect is what your husband needs and desires most. We must respect each other. The husband must honor his wife and the wife her husband. Never put him down. Never put her down. Refuse to join in a, in a conversation at work or with any guys or, or girls that puts them down. Don't even entertain those conversations. For husbands, are you there husbands? Listen up. Okay. Never belittle. Never be bitter with your wife. Wives, are you here? Yes. You need to respect your husband. This, this means reverence. This means responsiveness. This means no silent treatment. No cold shoulders. This means respect. Okay? One woman said... I will willingly submit to my husband as long as he doesn't cross me. But that is not submission. 
There is no as long as in submission. There is instead as unto the Lord. A couple on their 50th wedding anniversary summed up their long and happy marriage. Why are you happy? The husband said, oh, I have tried never to be selfish. After all, there is no I in marriage. And the wife responded, for my part, I have never corrected my husband's spelling, and it's working up to this day. <laughs> the second that we need to highlight is that we need romance in our relationship. Okay? It's amazing how differently men and women define romance. Honestly, guys, guys, we don't have a clue. We think sensually when, when we think of romance. Wives think about tenderness and shared time and dreams and how they went work at work. And I'm just a guy and I'm terribly unromantic. And here are a few tips for you guys, okay? Tips for us. We need to do little things. Like when you come out today, you need to open the door for your wives when they get in. Unexpected gestures. Be thoughtful. Express your love in non-physical ways. Show your appreciation of her. Sacrifice and do without in order to provide her needs and desire. Put her first. Guys say, put her first. I, I hear three guys. <laughs> guys, put her first. Amen, amen. A husband's love must be sacrificial. It's selfless. It's sanctifying. It's sensitive. You know how much you can sacrifice today when you get home? Hun, here's the remote. <laughs> Most marriage problems are rooted in the fact that husbands do not love their wives as they ought. Ephesians 5.25, he said, as I said earlier, one of the longest and most important passages on marriage in the New Testament is found in what we just read. Ephesians 5. And the most striking note in this passage is the emphatic call to husbands to love their wives. Three times the call goes out. Ephesians 5.25, Ephesians 5.28, Ephesians 5.33. Love her, love her, love her. So clearly the husbands love their wives matters to God a great deal. Every husband will be accountable to God for loving his wife. And in the eyes of God, it is a tragedy when a woman is married to a, to a man and is unloved by him. It should not be that case. When she was a young girl, just about every wife dreamt of a, a knight sweeping off her off her feet and loving her devotedly for the rest of her life. And when a woman is married and yet largely unloved and lonely, it is sad and serious thing in the eyes of God.
But why doesn't God tell wives to love their husbands? Shouldn't wives love their husbands too? Of course, they should. But I suspect that most wives will naturally love their husbands. Generally, a wife will naturally and enthusiastically love her husband unless she has felt so unloved by him for so long that the love inside her has withered away and died. When God calls a husband to love his wife, he provides a model in the way Christ loved his church or his bride, the church. He said, husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Two things should be noted about a husband's love. If Christ is the example for husbands, and he is, then a husband's love is a sacrificial love. A husband must be willing to die for and live for his wife. He sacrifices for her. He puts her feelings, her needs, and her interests ahead of his own. And this sort of love is as powerful as it is rare. Every wife will respond to it. Isn't it, wives? Are you going to respond to that kind of love? Two people wanted that kind of love. <laughs> Just as Christ's love results in a radiant church, so as a husband's love leads to a radiant bride. When a wife feels deeply loved by her husband, she will flourish and thrive. She will not be crushed or stifled or held back or frustrated. She will come alive and become the woman God designed her to be. To a large extent, you can look at the face of a wife. Look at your wife right now. And tell her husband loves her, is she radiant? Does she thrive? Is she more secure and confident because of her husband's love? Have her gifts flourished? Is she closer to God? Is she more the person God created her to be? Husbands, God has placed within you all that you need to love your wives. Love your wives with every... I mean, wife lang pala. Isa lang. Just one. <laughs> Love your wife with everything you've got. Love her the way Christ loved us. You know, earlier we had two wives, in a, uh, and they were, they're getting along pretty well. Love her the way Christ loved us, sacrificially, selflessly, fervently, and devotedly. You will not regret it. And ladies, let me talk to you. Recognize his efforts and never belittle his attempts at romance. If you short him down enough times, he will quit trying. Show him you love him in ways he can recognize. 
He doesn't want a Hallmark card. Give him a lot of hugs. <laughs> Encouraging words. Not a card. That's for you. <laughs> Read it. And third, we need responsibility. Okay? We need to be responsible, both husband and wife. Whose job is it anyway? Someone would ask. It's not my fault. He started it. She started it. When she starts submitting, I'll start loving. When he starts loving, I'll start submitting. Does this sound familiar? No progress will ever be made until we take responsibility for ourselves. In some of the marital problems that some people have come to me, I have to stop one person from laying blame on the other and explain that all they can control is their own behavior. Be the husband, wife you can be, regardless of how good your spouse is. The Bible plainly tells us that husband's loves can sanctify the wife and that the wife's submission can sanctify her husband. Do you love your spouse enough to fulfill your own responsibilities? I don't hear an answer on that one. Let me ask you another question. Do you love your spouse enough to fulfill your own responsibilities? That is taking responsibility. Let me add to this point. Husbands, be men. Your wife needs a man, not a sissy. <laughs> Not a sensitive mama's boy. Be sensitive to her needs. But please, don't just be sensitive. By the way, ladies, you really don't want a sensitive man. So quit saying you do. A woman that wants a sissy for a husband wants to be a man herself. Wives be women. Your husband needs a real woman. Enjoy the fact that God made you a woman. Enjoy your home, your children, and your husband. I'm not saying you're not, you're not supposed to have a vocation. You are entitled to have a vocation. We are equally made by God as with regards to vocation. You can do that. But enjoy your home. Enjoy your children. Enjoy your husband. Don't fight to gain responsibilities you shouldn't have just as so that you can experience a feeling of power and control that you are not equipped to have. And I'm going to close on the seven reasons, but it's going to take three days. <laughs> no, it's going to be short. Just kidding. This is what we need to do as couples, okay? These are our obligations as couples. We need commitment. Are you in it for love? Then how do you find love? What about when you don't feel strong affection? Your spouse needs to be able to bank on your commitment. Does your spouse know that you are in it for, for good and bad? Or do they question your commitment every time because you always say the D word? Oh, I want a D. I want a D board. I want a D board. Do you always use that? 
Second communication, talk to each other. Speak their language. Sometimes we need to be the transmitter and one needs to be the receiver and vice versa. You cannot be the transmitter at the same time. This is the number one problem in a relationship, communication. At work, at home as well. Is this what I hear you saying, Han? That's what we need to do. We need to check. Don't expect or stop mind reading. If you haven't done EHR yet, you need to take that. Don't, don't make or expect your spouse to be fortune tellers or psychics. Tell them. Talk to them. What's in your mind? Third is compromise. It's okay to be right and be quiet. It's okay to give a little. It's okay to meet the other on their terms. Do you know, church, that complaining is not a spiritual gift? It is not part of the gift that's given to us by God. It is not also the fruit of the Spirit. Complaining is not part of the fruit of the Spirit. Marriage is when you agree to spend the rest of your life sleeping in a room that's too warm beside someone who's sleeping in a room that's too cold. Number four consideration. Submit yourself to the other. Yielding. What are their needs? What are their desires? You are their caregiver. Number five, consistency. Be predictable. Give them stability. Give them security. Give them one person on earth they can count on. Can they count on you to take that trash today? <laughs> Cooperation. Know your role. Purpose to work together. Share a cause. Have all things common. Number seven, compliment. Recognize your partner. Rejoice in their special qualities. Build up their egos. Dwell on their positive. When was the last time you complimented your spouse? You know, uh, I seldom do this, but guys, I don't know how many of you like watch Miss Universe. The pageant. One time we were watching a glimpse of that, and I told my wife, you know, and that is not fair. You are more beautiful than any of those women in there. <laughs> Five points. <laughs> I'd like to call the worship team as we prepare to close this morning. You know, we cannot point to any era in the past and say that was when things were done right. What we can do is point to Scripture and say that it contains the key to understanding how God created us as men and women and that His plan for women is far better than any definition society has given us in the past. Many women do not realize how deeply men need to feel honored and respected. A man feels loved when he is encouraged, when, he is, when his wife steps in into his life and communicate by words and actions. And they say, I believe in you. As what Pastor Ken Bringers used to say, even if you pretend to say it, I want to hear it. I believe in you. That's so important. 
for men. When she willingly supports and encourages his leadership, she is making a profound statement that will resonate deeply in his heart. She's acknowledging the position God has put him and respecting his God-given role. And when a man loses the respect of his wife, he will shut down, be passive-aggressive, bury himself in the fantasy themes or his work and have no idea what's going on in the hearts of his wife and children. It is devastating for a man not to be honored and respected. The failure, the fear of failure is one of the greatest fears of every man. Ephesians 5.33 says, one of the most important passage, can we all stand up as we close? As I said, Ephesians 5 in marriage. It says, God's call is clear. He said, husband, love her. Wife, respect him. God does not say to husbands to love her if she deserves loving. Or to love her if she respects you. Rather, the charge is unconditional. Love her. God doesn't say to wives to respect him if he deserves respect or to respect him if he loves you. Again, the call is unconditional. Respect him. It may be difficult to love a wife who shows you little respect. And it may be difficult to respect a husband who demonstrates meager love. But God can give us grace to obey him. You know what is really hard in marriage? If you have two people who are strong will. My wife and I are both strong will. My wife is a doctor and she knows what she wants. And when she wants it, she wants it. And it's the same thing with me. But you know what makes the difference? When you become a believer, you surrender that strong will to God in situations that it's very difficult to make a decision. I'm going to give in. I'm going to surrender my strong will, Lord. I know how difficult this is, and I cannot do this on my own. I need you. It's so hard not to be angry at times, right? But if you surrender, if you learn to surrender that strong will to God, which always works, your marriage Lord I don't know what to do with this situation my wife keeps doing this she's telling me this my husband keeps doing this stuff she's not being a good husband to me but Lord I surrender my will to you today I'm going to do my part because I cannot do his part but I will do my part husbands Love your wives. 